Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tip Show. Show. A show designed to assist man in his quest to succeed on Pinterest. If you have interests in the content you want to share, content you want your clients to see, learn ways to grow and succeed in this unique and exciting world, one man will assist you on your journey. To become a pinner and grow your presence online, men and women can share in the success. And here to show you how is your host, is your host Jeff C. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tips Podcast. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. I'm very excited to share this show from a two-part blab session called Visual Marketing Tips, Tricks, and Hacks that I did with Phil Mershon, who is Director of Events at Social Media Examiner. If you don't know what Blab is, it's a cool new video conferencing platform that allows up to four screens of video at the same time. You can find out more at blab.im. Phil and I asked some of our friends who excel at visual marketing to come on the show and give us tactics, tips, and tools that have worked for them. They also reveal their biggest fails and what they have learned from their mistakes. Many of our guests who are in the hot seat are speakers in the upcoming Social Media Success Summit. Here's a clip to tell you a little bit more about the virtual conference. Want to improve your social media marketing? Need to prove your efforts are working? Take your business to the next level at Social Media Success Summit 2015, an online conference. Brought to you by Social Media Examiner. Discover the best and newest ways to market your business on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, Instagram, and Pinterest. Find new ways to improve your content and measure your results all from the comfort of your office chair. You'll be led by dozens of top social media pros, including Mari Smith, Mark Schaefer, Amy Porterfield, Christopher Penn, and Michael Stelzner. Register now for Social Media Success Summit. Discount tickets are limited. Visit smss15.com to secure your ticket today. As I mentioned before, this interview that I did with Phil is a live show on Blab where the audience is able to interact with the host, guests, and each other. Many of them even wind up being on the show. If you'd like to be a part of one of our live shows, make sure to head on over to manlypinteresttips.com and join our email community to find out how you can be a part of our live show. We were also very appreciative of many viewers participating from Wichita, Kansas, where I will be speaking on the 24th of September on boosting your business with visual marketing. If you're close to the area, I'd love to meet you. Just go to manlypicturestips.com forward slash events to find out more. This is part one of a two-part series on visual marketing tips, tricks, and hacks. Today's guests include Elisa Meredith, Craig Carpenter, and Kim Vidge. So sit back and get ready to take some notes as we jump right into my conversation with Phil Mershon. All right, this is uh, Phil Mershon. I'm here with Jeff C. And we're here today to talk about visual marketing. And the way we're going to do that is Jeff's going to spend some time talking about what's working, what's not, some stats. We're going to ask him some questions. And then after he's been going for a little while, we're going to bring a bunch of people into the hot seat and we're going to ask them some questions. So people who we know are active in visual marketing, we're going to bring them on and probably a variety of people we haven't even met yet. So we've invited a few friends of Jeff's and mine who we know are active. And then hopefully we're going to meet some other people and we're going to learn things about 
your favorite tactics, your favorite tips, and your biggest fail and what you learned from it. So uh, with that said, Jeff, why don't you get started? Sure. Well, I was going to first just give some stats because, and this is actually from uh, Social Media Examiner, they recently asked marketers which forms of content they most want to learn about in 2015. And you know what? Creating visual assets took first place. Uh, you know, and 70% of marketers plan to increase their use of original visual assets in 2015. So, why do you uh, think that is, Jeff? Well, I think, you know, I still think there's a place for bloggers, and I don't want to get the bloggers upset. Um, but there's so much content out there, and there's so many streams flying by. I mean, we see that even in the comments during our blab today. Stuff's flying by. And visuals are a way for you to stand out. Um, especially, you know, it, it, the stuff's flying by so much. And if you can have a visual, especially with a blog post, because I don't, I, I don't think people are done with reading. There's less of it going on. I think, I think people are like, trying to condense stuff down. Uh, and if they can see it in a visual way, it processes faster. Um, but it's just a way to catch attention in a noisy world. And I think our world, just like with Blab coming on the scene, is getting more noisier. Um, and so, how, how's Blab, your content on Blab, going to stand out? So, I mean, it's those different things that. Um, calls attention to yourself and makes you stand out. I think that's why my show worked and people started following me is because I really worked hard on visuals. Yeah, that makes sense. But what, do you think we're getting to a point too, where there's so much visual content that even that is hard to stand out amongst? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Mark Schaefer at social media marketing world, I got to talk to him and, and he was saying, you know, he was talking about content and content shock and that, um, having awesome content is just uh, what the price is to come to the table anymore. Um, and I'm almost, I think the same thing is happening with visual marketing. I think if you don't have a digital strategy in place, um, if you're a, a marketer or even a small business or any of that, you've got to have one because it is so important. It goes hand in hand with content that you're putting out. You just, you just got to do it. I agree. What other stats did you find? Um, well, last year, the amount of video from people and brands in Facebook's news feed increased uh, three times year over year. So, I mean, especially in the Facebook feed, I mean, we know that their reach is starting to be limited. It, it, they keep throttling it back. And so visuals are a great way to stand out. I mean, and, you know, at Social Media Examiner, we're all, you know, they're experimenting all the time to try to get more reach. How will more people see our stuff organically? And visuals has a big uh a part of that and trying different posts, not just link posts, but quotes, um, videos, all that kind of stuff. Mixing it up, I think, helps your visuals go farther um, than just, you know, slapping the thing, same thing up every time. That makes sense. What other stats did you find that you wanted to share? Um, you know, most business of business people are trying to get more visual markers on there. And like we said before, 70% of marketers plan to increase their use of uh, original visual assets in 2015. The problem, we are so, <laughs> as marketers, we have so much to do. You know, we've got to research these new networks like Blab. We've got to create content. We've got to create visuals now. Um, and a, a lot of us are feeling stressed out about that. Um, so I think the, the thing that I have been really working on um, is repurposing. How can I create one graphic um, and, and or a piece of content and repurpose it to use other places like Instagram or um, you know Facebook? And in fact, like I was, we were talking about th these blabs, which is a great way to capture content. Like when we get done with this blab, we are going to have a visual content of this show. It will be done. Well, 
you know, I just don't want to slap this hour long or whatever hour long thing up on Facebook. People aren't going to watch that. So my strategy would be to take this, this blab, cut it up, you know, a good question and answer for me usually is like a minute, two minutes long. Well, that'd be a, a great place to, to, to chop up that content and put it up on Facebook for a little, you know, put a little bumper at the beginning of it. And there's a little piece of content. Uh, you can even narrow it down farther and do a 15 second one on Instagram. And now with Instagram, not having to have square video, you can slap up any video It's huge for repurposing. That's going to make things so much easier for people to repurpose content. So that, that is uh, my strategy is repurposing. I want to squeeze every last bit of juice I can from a piece of content I create because it does take so much time and we are, our time seems to be shrinking compared to how much content we need to put out there to still be competitive. I love it. So I'm going to assume that's your answer to question number one, which is what is your number one tactic that you re recommend that's repurposing content, but maybe there's, you can go a little deeper what, what are some things that people who don't know how to do that should do? Are there tools they should use or processes that you recommend? Right. Always, always think about repurposing when you, when you first get, uh, when you're starting to create content. Like when I create a, a graphic for my blog post is I think, okay, how is, will this image be able to be cropped for one to use in those other networks? That will depend on what I'm, image I'm, I usually do an image and then have text in my blog title over that image background. And I try to make it kind of retro style because that's my, the way I, I do stuff. And so I try to always think in the back of my mind, okay, will this be able, back in the day when you had to have a square graphic for Instagram, will that work on Instagram? Will that work on Facebook with, you know, that, that sort of uh, aspect ratio for Facebook's images? Will that work good uh, on Pinterest? So I'm always thinking, I'm trying to think a step ahead. And, and that didn't happen. I mean, that took me a long time to figure out. And so if people can start with, okay, I'm going to start thinking right off the top about repurposing, I think they'll get there faster than I did because it was it, it was a struggle. Like, okay, now I've got to create another graphic for this and I've got to re repurpose it. So now what I do is when I sit down in Photoshop or Canva, uh, I, I have that and I can crank them out in about 15, 20 minutes because I know I'm repurposing to all these different networks. So just thinking about it ahead of time, but are there, are there actual processes that you do? You always start with one and then move to another, or does it really matter? Yeah, I what I usually do is I start with, uh, I have my, Pinterest is usually my longest graphic, and so I'll use that for my base, and then I'll resize everything from that. Um, but, you know, you can create templates in Canva that are already set up, and now Canva for, I think it's Canva for work, lets you re resize things for different networks, and you can move stuff around that way. So I always think long-term of how that I can use that uh, across different networks. So Naomi, I know that's who super dumb is here. Um, she asked the question, what's the best way to keep visual consistency with your branding across the platforms and still feel new and fresh? Um, I think the visual consistency, you know, I have a kind of a, a style and theme that I use for all my, my images. And um, so I've kind of really nailed down for that. And so I, I, I and I, I took a long time uh, coming up with that. I really worked hard on getting my style 
getting it down. Uh, one of the things that I learned from Peg Fitzpatrick and Rebecca Radice is they have what they call style guides. And so they have, um, you know, what fonts look good, what color is going to work good. I mean, they have the actual hexadecimal codes for their colors so they can send to a designer. But they have that all in a sheet. So if they have a designer like me or somebody or, or somebody else work on something, like for a video, they can send them that style sheet and it's already set up and a lot of the guesswork is done on what needs to happen to make the uh, to make it fit into their brand perfect all right so what's your favorite tool i'm sorry you cut out a little bit there phil what is your favorite tool um for there's a lot of my favorite tools um one of my favorites i mean i, I mentioned canva canva before i use that quite a bit I, i'm a big photoshop user just because it works so well for me going across from like all of adobe's products uh, premiere and and illustrator and um you know after effects but for somebody who's really just getting started with design uh, canva is a great place to get going and you can create some awesome images in canva i think canva will probably be the number one answer but Everyone else who comes on, you can't use that one. It's already I took been taken. It. I took Canva. All right. So, Jeff, what's your biggest fail and what did you learn from it? Oh, there's so many, Phil. Um, Just pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, probably when I, when I first started um, on Pinterest for visual media, I was just sharing business stuff. Uh, I was just always sharing my stuff and, and you know, even with visual content, you're only, you only have so much bandwidth and you know, there's, you gotta, as Peg Fitzpatrick says, feed the content, content monster. And I didn't have enough to feed the content monster. Cause I thought I could only do my stuff until I realized that I could share and I would build authority and a reputation by sharing good content from other people. That's, that was my biggest mistake that I should have done that sooner. I, sh I was so paranoid that I had, I was giving stuff away to my competition and all that stuff. Um, that's probably my biggest fail that I, that I waited too long to start sharing other people's content. Well, Dustin, I think disagrees with you. And he said it's because you didn't grow your beard soon enough. That's right. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, tell it's us the story. Enough. What caused you to grow the beard? Well, it was when I started mainly Pinterest tips. Uh, I, it was, a there's a whole story about behind, um, I, I got into Pinterest because I was listening to the social media marketing podcast and Cynthia Sanchez was on. And then I started, I wrote a blog post that kind of took off about mainly Pinterest tips. And uh, we'd started doing some Google Hangout shows. And then I said, oh, I'm going to try this mainly Pinterest brand, uh, but I'll give it a year. And a good beard takes about a year to grow. And so uh, I started growing the beard and um, it just kind of, it works. So now I'm stuck with a beard. This is in my logo and I can't ever shave it off. All right. Awesome. So, folks, uh, if you didn't catch our intro, what we're going to do today is we are going to have a hot seat where we are bringing on uh, some friends of Jeff's one at a time to answer these questions. And then later in the conversation, we'll probably have several of us. So right now we've got Elisa Meredith joining us here. So, Elisa, welcome. Hey, thanks, Phil. And it uh, looks like my Medicam has taken over my screen and I'm not sure how to get rid of it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me on. Oh, glad to have you here. And folks, please do tell Little Bird and uh, let others know that we're here. All right. So, Elisa, um, I know you're very active on Pinterest. So, tell us your number one tactic or strategy that you would recommend to folks who are active in visual marketing. 
I would say create multiple images for your most popular content, whether it's a blog post or a downloadable item that you have. Um, create as many images as you can um, in slightly different styles, some with, some without text over the image, and just see what works best. And then uh, promote those two. Promoted pins are great. So like Jeff's saying, you're saying at the outset, create multiple graphics that you might use at various points for different reasons. So it's not just taking one and splicing it in different ways for the platforms, but you're actually saying three or four images for the same post or whatever. Is that yeah, exactly. right? Yes, exactly. We were talking with somebody this morning, actually, who was going to create a 10 tips or 10 questions to ask your, uh, your caterer. So I said, all right, well, then that means you need at least 11 images. Right. So you need one image for the whole offer. Then you need and I'm gesturing, even though you can't see me. Um, <laughs> you hey, need... um, someone recommended, Elisa, that you switch the cam in the URL. Um, uh, I'm not sure what that means. Oh, I see what they're saying. It may. I don't know. if it, Yeah, it should let you do that when you go up there and, ch and switch it. OK, thank you. To but yeah, like... but. Lisa was a, has a great example. I mean, she was the one who really hit home for me on how to um, actually generate. She gener generates a lot of leads for her clients using this multi-image um, thing on Pinterest. She'll, you know, for that same uh, trying to capture leads or, uh, you know, like a free downloadable, she'll create multiple pins or multiple images for that same page. So uh, one example that she was using was for uh, smoothies for a client. Lisa, can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. And, and I'm trying to change that over, but it doesn't seem to be working. Um, we had an ebook that was going out that was a collection of smoothie recipes. So we would take, uh, take or find images that would fit each of those recipes and create a pin for each one of those. So Pinterest is a, is a huge focus for me. I know we can do visual on every, every platform, but it seems most worth it to me to invest that time in the images that you're going to use on Pinterest. So we would have one picture for each recipe and maybe tease a little bit about what was in it, but not give away the whole thing. So they'd have to click through to get the book. Fantastic. All right. Tell us what your favorite tool is since Canva's off the table. What, what would you recommend people check out? Oh, that's, that's easy. <laughs> Tailwind is the second one. And I know it's, it's really, it's just for Pinterest, but it really is the easiest way to, skillfully plan out your Pinterest image sharing. So you can, and you should really share your own content to more than one board. So you should have one that is just your blog content. Um, and then you should have other ones, you should have group boards, but you don't wanna just send them all out at once. So you can use Tailwind to schedule and use the interval timing so that it will go out, like one will go out one day and then next one two days later or whatever you want to set it at so that it's not, it looks a little more natural that way. Gotcha. Hey, um, Colette just told us how you can fit, get your camera on. On the far right of the URL, there's a little video image in the URL bar. And if you click on that, that should turn on your yeah. cameras if that works. It's what I've been doing, but I think something's funny with my browser because I can't get to the done button <laughs> to uh, make it take effect. Yeah. Uh, Craig has the same problem. I'm sorry about yeah, that, yeah. guys. Oh, That's and, right. And I wanted to mention Craig Carpenter is, it came in the room, um, and we may want to bring him on if he can later, but he has a new uh, tool called Relay That, which is it's 
it's totally different from Canva, but it lets you create, you know, we were talking about repurposing earlier. It lets you create some awesome images very, very quickly, um, kind of batch processing for all these things. And uh, it's really impressive. I talked to him at Podcast Movement. And so, um, uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out Relay That, that's another great tool to check out for repurposing, which I'm a fan of. All right, Elisa, other than our, our video camera fail for right now, what's your, uh, what's your favorite fail story and what you learned from it? My favorite fail story, there are, like Jeff said, I have a bunch, but um, oh, which one to choose? I guess it would be, it is so easy to create new boards on the fly. Then you don't remember to go back and put descriptions in them. So, so I guess that would be my biggest mistake is just getting excited about creating new boards and forgetting to go back and add a really good description or think enough about the title of the board in the beginning. Excellent. Excellent. Because those, uh, she's talking about Pinterest boards, because those Pinterest boards, if you title them well and write a good description, those can rank on Google. And so uh, you'll see a lot of times when you're searching something on Google that you'll see uh, Pinterest boards up there at the top. And that's because people have taken the time to write good titles and descriptions for their boards. Fantastic. All right, Elisa, we're going to open the hot seat up to somebody else. Jeff, since you invited Craig, let's, uh, let's have Craig come and join us. Let me... Uh, Open that seat up. All right, Craig, come on in. While Craig's coming, Jeff, do you have any other uh, comments on what we've just talked about? No, uh, Lisa does a good. There's Craig. Hey, Craig, there how is. are you doing, buddy? All right, welcome. What's up, guys? Not too much. So we're uh, asking three questions. The first question is, what's your favorite tactic or tip that you would offer to other visual marketers. Second is what's your favorite tool and Canva and Relay are off the table. So you've got to pick something else. (laughs) And then (laughs) then number three is uh, what's your favorite fail story? Something you did that didn't go as expected or you just a mistake you made and what you learned from it. Oh man, I I wasn't prepared for these at all. In fact, I was actually, I came on to Blab to get the dimensions of a layout I wanted to put in. And I saw Jeff and I was, I kind of, I'm calling this the blab hole. I've been on blab like all week and just got kind of sucked in, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome to, to connect with you guys. So I'll try and do my best. I, I wasn't hey, on uh, what no, the first. <laughs> the only person who was prepared for those questions was Jeff. So <laughs> other people are having a little longer to think about it before I bring them on, but you know, you're, you're so here. What was the first one? So what's your favorite tip or tactic that you would share with other uh, visual marketers, something you've learned lately that's really working? Okay. So I can tell you one thing I just uh, tried this morning. I was on another blab. I started hearing great quotes from people. And what I did was I took their quote and I turned it into a visual graphic. And I think uh, my my, um, aha moment this morning was that People are kind of tired of seeing the the quotes from history quotes, like you know the ones from uh, you know Thomas Edison quotes, and you know the the ones that they're used to seeing. And what I want to do, and and what I got a lot of engagement on this morning, was taking your peers' quotes, something that you've heard in a blab, and actually putting those. It doesn't matter what tool you use, but putting those into a quote. It can be black uh, black text on a white background, but um, tagging those people and just letting them know that you heard that insight that you um, that you valued it and that you wanted to share it with other people. And I think that will be a trend um, just from my, like that aha moment that I had that 
I would like to see people start sharing their peers' quotes, if, if that's a good answer. I don't know. But that, that was kind of what came, came to me this morning. Yeah, I love that. And something, Jeff, you've been doing uh, that's a little bit longer term strategy, but for our summit, tell people what you've been doing with quotes from some of the speakers. Yeah, we, we've, you know, the summit's kind of having, if you look at it on Pinterest, it has a kind of a Western theme. And so we've got some quotes going out with kind of a Western background. And we also, for everybody who's, uh, who's speaking, like uh, Elisa's one of them, and Peg just popped in to say hi as well, we've taken them and put them on a wanted poster and uh, said, you know, that's how they, you know, these are the people are going to be talking like, speaking on visual media and so those have uh, been really fun to put together and put on uh, pinterest and instagram and facebook as well yeah I, you know i, I want to put like a sidecar comment as i was thinking through this this morning that i think it comes behind what is the intention behind that too if you're doing that to tag people to leverage their community i don't think that's the reason to do it but i think that and, and i think it's like a gray area just as i was thinking about it this morning but because uh, I was a little nervous about doing it for some people because I think some people could could potentially see it that way. But I think if the intention, intention is true and you're truly adding value by doing that to both the the quotes E and the audience and, and not being too pushy in tagging them, tagging their face in Facebook if they don't want to be things like that. So I'm going to tread the, those waters lightly, but I think it could be I, I think people would enjoy it for the most part. What do, what do you think about uh, quoting yourself? I've seen some people do that as well. I, I think that, you know, I, I think it's a little, well, I'll, I'll say the one thing. I don't think you're going to get as much engagement if you quote yourself. Now, if you quote yourself and you give it up to people that care about you and let them share it, I think that you're going to get much more engagement. But if you quote yourself and you share it on your own wall, or if you go into a Facebook group and you blast that Facebook group with your quote, I've seen that happen where someone will say, they'll actually, I'm trying not to get too far off here, but I've seen in Facebook groups where people want attention and they have a question. So they will create a big fat 1200 by 1200 graphic, blast it into a Facebook group. And that it's almost to me like, my question is so important that it deserves this big graphic. And, and I, I haven't quite figured out how I feel about that, but I, have you guys seen that at all? Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of quoting yourself. That's just my preference, and I, I think for the reasons you just stated, is the reason. I, I think you can do it for other people, and I think you'd get way more engagement, interaction, and goodwill than trying to do it for yourself. Several people were commenting though, as you were talking there, Craig, that when you create a graphic and put something that you believe on it, and just don't sign your name. That is kind of like using your quote, but I think what you're describing is putting quotation marks around it and saying, Phil Mershon says, is that? Yeah, is that yeah I, I should, probably should have said that. I saw that Dustin uh, asked that when I'm saying quoting, quoting another peer, you're giving them credit. So you're putting their handle and their uh, name on it and not tagging yourself on it. So, yep. you know, you have to be careful of put, I think, taking a quote, quoting them and then not giving them credit. That would the intent i think it comes back to intention with that yeah all right here's your second question favorite tool what's your uh, go-to tool we're going to take canva off the off the plate you can say re relay because i forgot that uh elisa said um pintail right that was actually the tail the tool she mentioned first so tailwind or tailwind sorry yeah yeah you know that's really that's really difficult the the space i'm in right now um i mean i've used photoshop for 20 years um, if I, I would like to 
like kind of figure out what is the purpose of that tool that I'm using. And then I could probably pick a favorite. If I'm creating more complicated graphics, I would use Photoshop. I've found myself really interested in, we're, we're talking about graphics that go uh, create words on, are we, are we talking about graphics that are creating words on top of pictures or is there a category or just graphics in general? Just in general. Broad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, it, it's hard for me because like uh, I, when I'm using mobile, I like word swag. You know, when I'm trying to get something quickly done, I've obviously created something that I, I've connected with. Um, but I just don't, I haven't been using a lot of graphics tools lately. I'd have to say probably Photoshop, you know, if I had to pick one, because it really allows me to go deep and I, I have that ability. So it's kind of my go-to to, go to tool for branding and logo design. So I would say the Adobe suite for me, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. All right. Your favorite fail story, something that didn't go as expected and what you learned from it. And is this under the umbrella of graphics as well? Something in the visual marketing space, yeah. Yeah, um, I would say, hmm, I'm trying to think of that one. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's a tricky one. I, I, um, I can't put a, a, there was this one logo that I had created that was, it was called Baby Bump. And I took a B and I actually created a silhouette of a woman's body with the B, if that makes sense. It was about pregnancy <laughs> and it, it, the, the logo was baby bump. So I had this, I had this B in it and I, I put the, I made it a little too accurate. I'll say that. <laughs> so the top, the, the top of the B was a little too accurate and uh, it didn't go over well with the client. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think we've all done that with something like that. I don't know if that's a good story, but uh, but that, that I was trying that I was like, oh man, this is I, I had this flash. I was like, oh, this bee looks like a woman's silhouette. I was like, thought I was the coolest thing ever, and uh, and I <laughs> totally missed the mark. I think. <laughs> but when we when we removed the detail, they loved it. So it actually um, it, it went forward to get published in a book. But there was that point. There was that point where I made that decision and showed it to them. Uh, so I guess lesson learned is. You know, don't be like you when you're showing your clients different things. <laughs> you kind of have to sh maybe show it to your personal friends first to get their feedback. That's a good point. <laughs> good point. But at least you didn't uh, publish it to the world before you showed the client, right? Exactly. That, that's the danger now. Like if you if you publish some of these graphics, you can misspell something, and then you you know then you get people talking about your grammar, your your versus your and stuff. So I, I've definitely been self editing myself more with the, the grammar and the. The, making sure like I'm, I'm putting the right tag on people and stuff like that. So awesome. Great story. Hey, Craig, thanks for joining us. We're going to open up the hot seat to yeah. Kim Vidge. Kim, thanks. if you're out there, come thanks, and Craig. join us. Thanks for inviting me in. I really appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Talk to you later. All right, Kim. And then uh, Peg, we'll have you come next since uh, you said you needed to check your hair. Kim. Hey, Kim, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing all right. Is it hot and humid there in Gainesville? It is and almost rainy. So, oh man, at least it's right. a hurricane though. So I'm grateful. <laughs> awesome. So, Hey, we're, you've probably heard the questions. So we're just going to let you just dive right in. First question. What's your favorite tactic to other visual marketers that you would recommend? First tip. 
goodness. Well, first of all, it's probably just to be you. And like you guys brought up both Peg and uh, Rebecca that they stand out with their graphics. I think sticking with two fonts that are going to be the brand you're working on that kind of keep showing up over and over again so that they know that's their graphic is probably key. I see a lot of bloggers out there that are using all sorts of fonts all over the place. And it's kind of hard to know which is theirs and which is someone else's. So that's a great way to just, and if you can make it customized, even better, right? Like not one that you can see everywhere else. So that's just a simple tip I would throw in. Um, awesome. Jeff, any then, comments there? No, that's great. Uh, standing out is in the world. I mean, that was a, that's the downfall of Canva and some of the other ones. Um, is trying to stand out. You'll see, you, you can start seeing things. Oh, they made that in Canva. You know, you can realize that. And one of the tips I tell people is like when you're getting stock photography is to um, buy it larger than you really need, because that way you can rotate it, you can crop it, you can blow it up and you can make it look different than everybody else who's maybe using that same one. Even with the free sites, uh, you'll start seeing images like, oh, I've seen that or I've seen that. So good points, Kim. Yeah, I think cropping in uh, is just probably lost a you there. time to pick up my child at school. Um, <laughs> ah, we'll get through this quickly then. Farms for reason. Um, the tip I would probably throw out for platform to use would be PicMonkey. Um, if some of you aren't as trained as I am on Photoshoot, I don't know how to all use all those different ones. So PicMonkey is probably my favorite one, and I can custom overlay the fonts that I want to use, not necessarily just theirs. So again, that's pulling in your own uniqueness um, from your desktop. What, um, why would you use PicMonkey over Canva? What's different about it? Um, I have the ability to edit, I mean, truly edit some of the photos I'm taking for the blog um, and for other people's sites too, where I can, you know, I'm going in and maybe <laughs> taking out an item that I didn't want to be in the image because it showed up on accident. Uh, playing a lot more around with the lighting and darkening of things and colors, even sharpening images. I mean, a lot of people are on the go with their iPhones, and you can clean things up a little bit on PicMonkey. So that's why I use it. Awesome. All right, I know you've got to run, so let's hear your fail story. What's something that went epically wrong, um, or however you want. It doesn't have to be drastic, but we want it to be a great, great story. <laughs> the great story is never write and overlay text late in the night because you probably won't spell it right. Oh, no. <laughs> and what happens? And all of a sudden, the pen does well, and you realize there's a huge misspelling. So that's probably my classic, I haven't done it more than once, and I want to admit to you kind of thing. <laughs> you, you don't want to tell us what word you misspelled? There's one I always misspell in the middle of the night. It's activities. There's too many I's and T's really, really close, and you just don't see it. So activities. And and that's the name of your blog, isn't it? <laughs> the educator spin on it is the same. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm always writing activities. Our book is going to be right. Easy learning games. I mean, we're talking. <laughs> anyway, those are my three things. Awesome! Thanks for joining us, Peg Fitzpatrick. Please uh, jump in and grab Thanks, the hot seat. Appreciate you being here, Kim. Thank you for joining Jeff on his mission to help you be successful in the Pinterest world. Would you like to take part in a live show? Be sure to join Jeff's email community at manlypinteresttips.com. Adding testosterone. One pin at a time.